This is the Monday Nooner Podcast, brought to you by... Healthy Eyes Optometry and Dr. Sean Fleming with two locations in Regina. Get your eyeballs checked at Healthy Eyes Optometry in Harbor Landing and on Rochdale. High Tech Profiles, the locally owned and operated steel processor serving the agricultural, mining, construction, oil and gas and creative industries. Serving Western Canada and the Northern U.S. for over 25 years. High Tech is your 24-7 solution to ensure that you meet your deadlines. Sports Clips in Regina. You need your salad cut and want to do it while watching sports? Why wouldn't a guy? Get your full VIP treatment, including the deadly steam towel and scalp massage at Sports Clips Regina. Dave Price Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon. Your hard-working specialist that'll get your home or land sold. If you're looking to buy, get Dave Price at Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon working for you. Late in my career, I got asked to go to one of those Hockey Canada camps, and they asked me to put on a half an hour deal. They said, what are you going to talk about? And I said, coaching after hours. And I did. Most kids for lunch when they went to school would get like a little tuna sandwich. I'd go home, and mom would have steak sandwich with mashed potatoes and extra (laughs) gravy. Like, how much toaster bread do you want? Again, naive, knew nothing about nutrition. And I found out I liked beer and nachos. In Indonesia at that time, you, you had people that would come out of the jungle with all these exotic pets. We had a pet monkey named Barney at one point, and it was, it was hilarious. You just don't realize how off the wall it is until you come back and, and you go into grade one. Doesn't everyone have a pet monkey named Barney or what? <laughs> big welcome to all the degenerates and pigeons tuned in. Welcome to twirl number 62 of the Monday Nooner podcast. The podcast, as always, brought to you by our title sponsor, Rosetown Mainline Motors and also Mainline Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram in Rosetown. Uh, Continuing on in June here at Mainline GM, employee pricing on crossover SUVs and, of course, Truck Nation going on, save up to 10,000 on Sierra's. And uh, a whole bunch more going on at uh, Chrysler as well. We'll get into both of those dealerships in just a little bit. Barry and Shane here with me this week. And guys, I want to start off with uh, something a little different and something funny from last episode. We talked about the mainline guy who buys the new truck and leaves it in his, uh, in his garage for six months. I want to start off the show with this. We had a message from Chris Beaudry, sent us a little DM, and he said he got a huge kick out of that when we were talking about mainline. He said, you get up into the French Catholic territory by me and old farmers keep the new vehicles, the crop yields, their bowel movements, their fuel mileage, and how much rain they got a secret. So he loved that little uh, segment we had last week. So I thought that was kind of funny. Gents, how's it going? Uh, how's it going this week? Barry, uh, Barry's up in Waska, so I can just see the whites of his eyes. I don't know if they have uh, electricity up there and they haven't stoked a fire, but uh, no, my week is... Uh... It's good. No, it's going good, Buzz. I uh, I can't wait for June to be over and all the hecticness, which has been great. But uh, I'm looking forward to summer and getting on the boat. I was going to say, it's nice. Like the first year we did this show, nobody had any other plans ever. So it was pretty easy to schedule. Now people got uh, things to do, which is a, a nice change for sure. Barry's up uh, 
in Waska Sioux, the lob stick we've heard a lot about on the show uh, going on this week. I was going to ask you more uh, today, more drinks on the golf course or more pars made in 18 holes? Fuck boys. I haven't done an episode and I, I apologize to everybody because my mic might suck over the next little bit here, but I haven't done an episode. I think Boz, it was like episode 10 to 15 that I was drunk and I am oh, feeling it right now. Oh, let's go. Five hours in the 31 degree heat, the wind in Waska Sioux. If you ever played this golf course and when the wind, it, it, it was blowing 40 kilometers. I had no idea where the ball was going today. So I just crushed berry seltzers and nice. copper, oh, 016 coppers and just got after it. And uh, yeah. So, let's, let's so more, this. more drinks or more pars made on the course. What do you think? Oh, drinks. Yeah, I probably, oh yeah, definitely drinks. Good question. Definitely drinks. Somewhere between uh, 75 and, and 100 on the card today? Uh, I was 86 with three triples. <laughs> there you go. So when when does it count? When When is the game, when does the big show start up there? Match play starts tomorrow. And I, you know what? That's, it's uh, funny you mentioned that. Match play starts tomorrow. I haven't looked at my draw yet, but there's, I've been, I see, I've seen two man buns already. Oh. I hope I play man buns. That's what bun happens guy. in the fifth flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no. There's, there's guys out paddleboarding right now, and I saw them, and they're like half. They're, they haven't got their sleeves done on their arms, and they're out there. So I think I might be playing one of those guys tomorrow. I saw a guy in jeans and a tank top. There's a good chance I could flip flop, flip flop on the course, guy. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, sunflower seeds. Hey, want some spits? We always tell guys, we always say, uh, what's the guiltiest you ever played? We'll be asking Barry that next week. What's the guiltiest you played at the lobstick last week? I haven't hit driver, Boz. I haven't hit driver in like literally three and a half weeks. I finally said, fuck it. Pulled it out on eight today. May West, 600 yard hold down fan. I had 190 in and I made, I couldn't capitalize, but still I'm like, well, I'm just going to hit this tomorrow. I was going to say, if you're swinging, uh, swinging Callaway's, no excuse for the clubs. We know those things are uh, top of the line. So, Mrs. S said that she's like, "Well, you can't blame it on the clubs because you got brand new Callaways." And I'm like, "Yeah, get nope. lost." It's crazy how much uh, difference these new clubs and the new technology can make. But uh, yeah, no, going to be a great show. We got lots on the go, so let's get right into it. And uh, the old come up for Realty One, guys. Come up, we're gonna. I, I'm gonna flash back. I love uh, going because we had so many comments, and Boz, you're gonna go through some of those comments from last week's interview. Rhett Warner, tackle that. Our interview this week. One of the Sutter brothers. Anytime you can have one of those guys on, we asked him a lot of questions. We go a lot of different directions. Shane, you know him, right? Like, how do you? How's the tie-in? Uh, Richie actually was my agent for a while back in the day when I thought I was good. And, uh, yeah, he took me under his wing. I've spent some time out at the, the Sutter brother farm and, uh, yeah, no super guy. Yeah. So that's our interview. And, uh, we're going to really touch on uh, the hot corner, a little bit of senior hockey news, especially in the shout outs and yeah, just have a ton of fun here in June as we're getting, we're winding it up boys. Summer's right around the corner. Like Holiday Road, Lindsay Buckingham. Either you guys ever watch Vacation, the movie Vacation? Like Vegas Vacation? No, like but the Chevy first Chase? one. National Lampoon, like Christy Brinkley, like, oh my. I want to oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just National Lampoon's Vacation? Yes. Yeah. So I tried watching that hmm. the other night I because Roman's into my old shows, right? And I'm like, hey, we watch Who's Your Stand By Me, UHF, um, and Karate Kid, all that. And I'm like, hey, well, we're going to watch Vacation. 
and Gabby's there too, a little bit younger. And Trish sits down, and there's some scenes in there that are a little bit dicey. Yeah. But she gives me this dirty look from across the couch. And I'm like, okay, whatever. It's just, you know what? They're talking about porno magazines. Who cares? Porno mags, whatever. And then there's another episode, and then I had to shut it off, which I don't agree with. But that's a good flick. Have you ever seen it, boss? I don't know if I've seen that one, but I've seen, a, like, what's your guys' favorite vacation, like, National Lampoon's? Like, obviously, the Christmas vacation is a staple, but my favorite is the Vegas vacation. <laughs> what, a, yeah. what a flick. Nick Papa Giorgio on the fake ID. <laughs> I think that's the best one. But I love the yeah. first one because it's like you're – it's a, probably the first time you get a little bit of a boner. <laughs> back in the day as a kid. No, when you're that age. Mine was no, Vegas yeah. Vegas yeah. vacation, Beverly D'Angelo, rocket appliance. Oh, no, yeah, she was a rocket. There. If it wasn't that, it was the Sears catalog back in the day. Christy Brinkley was like, she's still an all-timer. She's still like first, yeah. second line. And then in the Ferrari, and then they go swimming. You know where that movie was filmed in Flagstaff, where I lived, just down the road at the yeah, part. And I was like, hey, she was naked in this pool. or that. But no, I like the old one, but Vegas Vacation is what's pretty the, good. What's the name of the, the dealer, the high-pitched voice guy? Changing 500. <laughs> hey, Griswold. <laughs> back and I kick you in, in the nuts. nuts. Call it a day. And then they go, <laughs> he goes to the ATM. That's a, one of my favorite gifts on Twitter when all the cash is coming out of the ATM. Yeah. Wow. We've really gotten hey, off, uh, off the rails. Off the here. rails for the, for the come up, eh, with Joel Trapp? The come up. Yeah, that's right. Joel Trapp and Robbie Peterson, Realty One. We were just talking about uh, realtors and how, you know, those guys are, they're not going to show up with a, they don't have pictures of them in a guitar and a puka shell necklace like some of the guys. Good guys, Robbie Peterson and Joel Trapp, Realty One. They'll get your job done in Regina and area. Hey, Shink, so talking about guitars, I know Boz has got this affinity that we're going to basically get all thrown in jail over the hot take. <laughs> hey, like he thinks we're going to get in trouble, and we might, maybe we will, for using music. So I busted out the old six string here. I got it sitting beside me, and I think we're going to write a little ditty. And maybe I'll just start writing some hot takes. We'll start doing them on the show. And we might now, we we're like, as in the West Side, we call it being a heat bag. And I think now we yeah. might be bringing, because it was the, uh, the what, what, are we, what are we calling it? The backtrack? Come on, it was your idea. I know, what's it called? The deep oh, cut. The deep cut. Deep cuts. The yeah. deep cuts. Not deep sponsor, cut. It's not sponsored, by the way. No and, sponsor and on that. We might get in trouble because we're playing the music, and we're, we're not quite sure. But Belter is just saying, like, you know what? I'll just bring out the guitar and and just do some tracks. Yeah, I don't, we're gonna fire some tracks up. So are you? I've been working do on lyrics tonight, or what? Well, I'm not. I haven't worked on the lyrics yet. But I next show next week, fellas, we'll have Reach. a little ditty put together. You just said we're gonna do it tonight, like two minutes ago. We can't do it. I don't know. The guitar's not even tuned, Boz. Let me get it dialed in. I don't have any lyrics plugged in yet. But I'll have something for us next week. Okay, next week, start of the show. I expect a intro song written yeah. recorded by you. No problem. For the fans. Let's go. Hey, hey, let's go back to the recap. Last show recap. And we had Rhett Warner on. And it was uh, it was a sneaky good, one of those sneaky good ones, right? People loved it. People were, uh, he was just so self-deprecating. You yeah. know, like just talking about how he ate himself out of the first round, chips and dip, uh, scratched in Anaheim, finding a little <laughs> nook. It's like, 
good. This is my uh, this is my Shane Belter uh, cut in here. He's this is where Shane always says the lines, but you just know the guy is like in media because he's got all the answers. That's uh, Rhett Warner. You could tell he's done radio. Like he has the background. He knew how to answer questions and he had a lot of good stories. And when I posted a thing on uh, Instagram about who's people's favorite guests on the show or a little poll where people uh, could answer privately on who their favorite guests on the show was, a lot of people said the last one you just did with Warner. And I think maybe, maybe a little bit of recency bias there, but he was definitely uh, one of the funniest, if not one of the best guests we've had on the show for sure. According to our fans. You know, I love, you know what the part I loved that I just thought about where he talked about how the cabbies knew his address because <laughs> <laughs> of the parties all the time. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, oh, you're in for a real treat. Yeah. And last show recap brought to you by Boz. Over to you, Shane. Cathedral Electric and Gentle Procedures, Saskatchewan. Hey, go see Spoons. You guys need some electrical work done? Hit Spoons up. He'll take care of you at the cottage, at home, the farm, wherever. You know what? He won't come in. With his, uh, with his coveralls off, he'll have them on, be ready to work. He won't come in with a fake quote to get more work out of you and then up the price. He'll be honest about it. No and general procedures. Board. No paddle yeah, no, board on no the paddle top board of the guy. van. No. Yeah, he won't be, won't be rocking like that. The general procedures, get that quick blast of air down there. No scalpel, no needle, and uh, get her taken care of. Going to give uh, Spoons just a quick uh, little bit of an extra plug here. They are still, uh, they're looking to add again to their team. Uh, it doesn't matter, journeyman apprentice, they want to hear from you. So uh, all applicants are welcome. Maybe we didn't do the job interview on the show, and that's why he's uh, still on the job hunt there at Cathedral Electric. But he's willing to work with people, whether they're a journeyman or an apprentice that uh, he needs to help train. So Cathedral Electric, no complaining about no good jobs out there, because here's a good one uh, right in our backyard with Cathedral Electric. And you know who else is looking, Boz? I heard actually heard this the other day is uh, Mr. Al Batters, GB. Looking for a heavy-duty um, truck mechanic. operator guy. Yeah. No, I don't think looking for a mechanic. Look for somebody that can drive those big rigs, excavators, and stuff Articulated like that. Articulated dump trucks and whatnot. Yeah. So uh, we should maybe you us, should apply. Will he let us just go drive one GB construction? Because you know you can do that in Las Vegas, outside of Las Vegas. <laughs> like you pay like three. just go wheel around. And you just go drive like big mining trucks and and dump trucks and excavators you can do that seriously you can do yeah, anything yeah, like, in vegas for the right price you really can we'll have to ask al what his price is i just take go to al go to vegas with al take al to vegas al seems like the guy in vegas that goes to the shooting range and buys like the package that you get a blow up <laughs> what do they call those army trucks you can pay like a decent <laughs> amount of money and they put uh like dynamite in them and you can blow yeah what's up the, what's what? it called uh tannerite tannerite, tannerite. You blow up yeah. like a grenade like a yeah, one of those big trucks. I think it's about four, or five grand, or ten or twenty grand. But it seems like something. I don't know Al that well. I, I, from the only time I ever talked to Al in my life, I thought that Al would be the guy. Like, hey, Al, we got a limo from the uh, airport to the uh, casino, and he'd be like, "No, I'm just gonna take a cab." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just quiet. No, Al's a gem. But anyway, hey, GB's looking. So if we, if you we need a job interview, you need a job interview. If you can drive a truck, uh, give Al a call. Let's go aero, uh, aero plumbing and heating. Everybody needs an air conditioner right now because it's freaking hot. Like I'm up north and it's so hot. We get the air conditioner blasting at the cabin right now. So aero plumbing and heat. You don't want to get screwed on a job. They're your guys and girls. Call them right now. Aero plumbing and heating, Regina and area. You know what is my? Uh, this is Shane's uh, collectible corner rant. All what? What else is it? Tirade hunting, fishing. 
Uh, comment. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Okay. Pigeon. Here it is. Shane Belter's fishing stories confuse me. You told one on the last show again last week. I had to listen about to it. The, about the weigh-in? <laughs> the three uh, times. Double DQ? I'm like... Last thing I double DQ, I was getting a couple uh, flamethrowers. <laughs> Shane just loves it. He's like Indian, <laughs> and he's like he's he's might as well be talking another language, and like we're following, <laughs> like we're following along. And at the end of the story, he's like, "Aha, yeah, it was so good. It's like the best ever." And then Boz and I are both like, "What the <laughs> fuck did he just say?" Yeah, I was very confused in that story too when he was talking about the weights and the weigh-in, and I was just like, Don't "Yeah." You remember? Do you remember the other fishing story like last year? <laughs> yes. And we were both like, what the hell did he just say? You guys are all pigeons. I still remember the story I brought up last week. You told about the dog kennel there. The, yeah, the dog kennels in the bottom of the lake. That one I understood. Yep. And that was some good fishing drama. But yeah, I'd agree. He told some stories I had no idea. Yeah, it's all I got, boys. Sorry. And um, yeah, so that was uh, that's the <laughs> arrow plumbing tirade, and who knows what the fuck is Shane's talking about segment this week. You know what else we should add in there? Parents that bring their kids to sporting events and don't do anything with them, and think the volunteer coach is going to oh. teach them how to do every little thing. It's the most annoying thing on planet. Like, take your kid out and do something, throw a ball with them, or anything. Anyway, that's my part of the tirade tonight. That's a good. That's a good point. It's not your take a seat, son, Shane. You're... No, I have, I, have, I have another one for that. You know what? You know what I did last year, Shane, coaching football. That a couple of parents would just drop their kids off and they'd go to like Leo's and hang out at the tavern. Yeah. And I, I called them out in front and on the chat group in front of everybody, and I said, "Listen, I'm not your babysitter. You guys just don't drop your kids off and go to the bar." Yeah, no doubt. Hey, we've been. Uh covered a lot here early on in the show but let's get into our shout outs for synergy ag local crop input retailer in saskatchewan they've also got a location in provost alberta they employ a lot of great uh, sasky weapons one of them actually sent us a dm here earlier today boys his name is uh, jason kyle i believe you announce it he actually messaged us here's a nice little tie-in about the great western beer incentive deal and uh, he messaged us because he's part of the earl gray rockets fastball team they want to get in on uh, the great western deal but then he said i work for synergy ag brad hamner and his crew and told me he's out of govan and he works a little bit out of lumsden so uh yeah they employ a lot of great saskatchewan people at synergy ag local crop input retailer like i mentioned let's get into the shout outs for them here we go i got uh, bethune bulldogs golf tournament Dale Almer Memorial. The Dale Almer Memorial. I was going to uh, plug this and say they're looking for teams. It's sold out. Craig Golf Course. But they need some sponsors still. So if you want to step up, throw a few bucks behind the Dale Almer Memorial Golf Tournament and uh, sponsor a whole spot or sponsor something fun. Sponsor like the Dale Almer front pocket money (laughs) holder thing hole. That doesn't Was make it? any sense, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's at the Craig. You know what? It's at the Craig course. So uh, looking for a few sponsors still to step up the Bethune boys. Hopefully they're going to have a team next year. Two questions. I think it was first question. Wasn't it like a hundred dollars to sponsor? I saw on their thing, like the minimum sponsorship, a hundred bucks. Like, yeah, fuck. It's nothing really. It's nothing. Second thing. They've got golf. They've got uh, golf carts there at Craig, right? You can uh, yeah. have a drive. <laughs> Very sad of you. 
Let's go. <laughs> golf carts. That's a good thing for a golf tournament. Yeah, yeah. Wadena does not have those, but they have a bakery that's top notch. They're still standing by that. <laughs> Travis Stevenson, shout out. He was uh he's from Shaunavan, Saskatchewan. He was the captain of the 95-96 Melfort Mustangs. I did not know that. You know him, Belts? Very he well. You, he he called you a Muppet, actually. Yeah, and, love it. Uh, and uh he's like, Yeah, he listens to every every pod, so I'll love it. I, you know what? I don't know if the Shawnee is still around in uh Shaunavan, but if it is and he's coming to Regina, I want the uh, bird's nest. Travis, so shout out to Travis Stevenson. Tell him to send you a picture of his old mullet. Maybe he still got that bad boy. I thought you were gonna say old lady. <laughs> Wait, might maybe he still got her too. You never know. Hey, I don't know. I think you gave this shout out last week, Shink, but I'm gonna do it again. Just a big shout out to Mike Thomas for the flag football in, in Regina, man. What a what a weapon for putting that together. Kids are having an absolute blast. It's going off knock on wood without a hitch. And to the CFL. Shout out to those guys for putting this Let's thing together. Go. And we're going to have a season this year, which uh, I mean, for them, if there wasn't a season, I think the CFL would have been done. So that's, uh, that's fantastic. Can't wait live, to see some uh, green and white live pod at mosaic stadium on the con. Yeah. That has to happen. Let's year. go Monday nooner boys live pod official can we get partner. A, can we get a box? <laughs> we could probably, we could probably figure something out. Maybe a deal with one of our sponsors. And let's uh, be honest, we're not box guys. We're like sit in the freaking pill country guys. I'm pill could country get, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Could we, uh, I was just thinking even, even like right on the bench beside some of the riders, just some live interviews. Yeah. <laughs> Fire Down it up. the sidelines. <laughs> Down the sidelines and Willie Cole. Willie, what do you got for us? Um, hey, how about another shout out here? Carson Ahenikew. Fuck, I love that last name. I grew up with some boys, the Ahenikew boys, from Cold Lake, Alberta, originally from Canwood, Saskatchewan. He said he played with the defunct Canwood Canucks. I don't, I don't think they've been around for a while. So, Carson, you know what you got to do after COVID? You got to resurrect the Canwood Canucks. That's your goal for the next year. I got to we'll send few, you stickers. I got a few shout outs. Uh, Pass along. Good buddy of mine out in Lashburn, Saskatchewan. I believe he's the uh, captain of the Lashburn Flyers senior team. Played a little SJ, good little hockey player. Actually, Marasti talked about him. The muscle hamster, Tyson Getzinger. Got him a Monday nooner hat. He was a winner. He sends me a picture every day wearing his Monday nooner hat. He's like, favorite hat. And he, he's hat guy. Like, he's got all the, the lids. Every day, he's like, send me a selfie with this, this, this young kid there, like, wearing the nooner hat. So, Big fan up in that Lloyd Minster area, repping the Nooner. Appreciate that. Would you rather go traveling with him or bowling guy? You got one guy. Who do you take? Him for sure. Yeah. Bowling oh, guy, bowling yeah. guy's out. Yeah. Too bowling many, guy's too many. like that late fall weekend when you got nothing going on. So you go play a little 10 pin. Was I was going to say too many 10 pins. Wasn't it Jarvis? Yeah. Jarvis. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. He's always the guy too. When you go bowling, he's got the funny name for everybody up on the screen. Like just really gets into the... Uh, <laughs> the bowling <Finger> blast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, a couple more shout outs. This is kind of cool. I don't know. I'm sure people have heard about it in Saskatchewan, but Frank Atchison, 95 years old, walked yeah, from Saskatoon weapon. to Regina, finished today, arrived on his 95th birthday. His son is the former mayor of Saskatoon, too, Donnie Ash. I can, I can barely walk from my house to Shink's house. Yeah. That guy walked all the way. That's crazy. I think it took him two months, but 267 kilometers at 95 years old. I thought that was kind of cool. Wow. Awesome. And uh, I don't know if you guys, 
you guys aren't big social media like Instagram guys, but all my buddies are a huge fan of this guy. He's a PGA Tour caddy for Abraham Answer. His name is Dale Vallely, and uh, he does hot dog reviews, and he's got like 50,000 followers, so shout out to the Dale Trail. Uh, I was golfing with some buddies last weekend, and everybody spent the whole time doing uh, hot dog reviews, so shout out to Dale. Yeah, shout outs for Synergy AG. And I tell you something, boy, the crop input uh, retailer, right? We've talked about all that. Synergy AG has a uh, pretty cool little nugget they're going to drop on us in the next couple of weeks here. So they're expanding, they're growing. And uh, yeah, they're if you want to work for them, they're still hiring some people. Get your resumes in or do, do business with a local company like Synergy AG, right? Brad Hamner, he's the kind of guy just sit at his cabin, have a few whiskeys, Tarps off. He'll mix you up some par three to the right strength so you can spray those dandelions. That stuff good, by the way. Deadly. I've seen a dandelion in freaking three weeks on my lawn. Unbelievable. Good news last week, too. Everybody got uh, rain everywhere. I think uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. So huge relief for farmers. And I'm sure Synergy AG, happy to see that as well. Hey, boys, uh, I want to bring this up here. And I think uh, everybody that probably listens to our podcast heard about it. And it is gut-wrenching. Uh, Constable Shelby Patton, 26 years old, died on duty, RCMP off- officer. Um, Indian Head Detachment, really close to us. For those of you that listen to us from uh, far, and, far, and, uh, far away, I guess, sorry. Um, he's with uh, the RCMP for six years and four months and tragic uh you know at a, at a stop i guess and i think to be i don't know if i can say this or not but it sounds like some basically pulled over some sketchy piece of shits and uh yeah just unfortunate got kind of in the wrong he got mur- he got like, i mean let's be honest he got murdered right like i mean nobody wants to say it they call it an accident but that's not an accident the guy got he got they ran him over he got murdered and it's 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 horrible and terrible and my my own personal opinion. This is one of those times where we should be bringing the death penalty penalty back into Canada. That's I don't. I, is this where you play Mozart? No, <laughs> no. I don't think. Yeah, you know what? I, you know what? Belts. I am a guy. Agree. Sex offenders and something like this. Uh, yeah. Bring it back. It'll never happen in snowflake society. But you know what? The man like this guy is just a beauty too. Like you look at him, just smile, doing his job. Uh, on a week weekend morning, and uh, fuck, like I just I can't even. I know for like three or four days. Well, still, like I guess four or five days later, I keep thinking about his family and his wife, and like getting that call right, like on a yes. Saturday morning. Like, can you imagine getting that phone call? And like you said, twenty six years old, still so much life to live, and and. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine what his family, his wife, it's, what do you say, right? It's just yeah. those bullshit. It's not fair. It's tragedy. Cops, any city police, RC, whatever. Like, I think we are all in the same, uh, we'll echo the same state sentiment, but it, they're just amazing what they yeah. do. And, uh, and then shit like this happens. Like, fuck, they're not perfect. Some of them aren't perfect. But it's a tough gig. And then something like this happens. And it's yeah, like Boz, like you said, like, fuck, his wife has to take that call. Ugh. Yeah, yeah I know. It's horrible. Thoughts and prayers uh, out to his family for sure. Yeah, guys, it's uh, it's brutal. And 
Let's move, let's get into our interview this week. And of course, the interview is always brought to you by Kent Bittner, mortgage from my coach.com. When it's time to uh, renew the mortgage, or if you're a first time homeowner and you want to talk about uh, mortgages, Kent's going to help you out. He's just a good guy, good Sasky weapon, and he'll help you out and make sure you get the best rate when it is time to do so. So reach out to him if you're in the game for uh, mortgage renewal or a new mortgage. Guys, with 870, over 870 games in the show, over 1,400 PIMS, and we can guarantee as you listen to the pod that the Sutter family still does their dishes by hand at home, Mr. Rich Sutter. All right, guys, joined by Rich Sutter this week, one of the uh, famous Sutter brothers from out in Alberta. Rich, thanks for hopping on the pod. Uh, what are you uh, What are you up to these days? Being a papa, trying to watch as much hockey as I can and uh, just stay in, stay in touch with things back home in Columbus. So how we kind of start these things is we just, uh, you know, we kind of go back to the start and, and we, we go through it, obviously, you know, coming from, uh, I'm going to say probably the most famous hockey family in Canada. So you're, you're born in 63 in Viking, Alberta. What was it like growing up in that family? Like you guys had just wagons all over the place. Well, you know, we grew up, we never had a lot to be honest with you, Shane, no different. A lot, a lot of other kids are, you know, back in those days on the farm and, um, we lived off the land. We made ends meet. And, uh, and that's basically how it went. Um, work was before any pleasure. When chores were done, then that's when we got to do the things that we wanted to, to do. Um, whether it was baseball, you know, rodeoing, hockey, whatever we, whatever we could do to keep busy and, and uh, try not break legs and arms and shoulders and get dirty about it. Okay, I got I to gotta ask this. So let's say, you know, you're nine, 10 years old, whatever you guys are all at the breakfast table or dinner table. What, what, what's, what's the dynamic? What's mom and dad like? What's the family dynamic there? Family dynamic was if you were fast enough, you got the most. If you weren't, you got stopped <laughs> with a fork. <laughs> Our prayer was, was uh, pretty simple. With family at supper time or at dinner time was simple. It was uh, short. It was sweet. It was simply, "Holy God, Holy Ghost, who grabs first gets the most." So is dad? What's 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 mom and dad like? What what are they? You know, is dad a competitor? Was dad an athlete? Uh, what was mom like? What were they like? Dad was a competitive ball player and a boxer. Uh, dad never laced on a pair of skates. Dad never owned a pair of skates, and mom was. Mom was what most moms were, or mothers were, full-time jobs trying to take care of kids. She was the bus driver, the chauffeur, the, you know, rub your toes, feet warmer. Uh, yeah, that's what mom was. And, and she was the gardener and the cook, and um, that was a full-time job also. So how does hockey come about? Well, you know, Shane, um, that's a great question. Um, we all love sports. We all love Jim Canna's uh, rodeos, broke horses, road bowls. Played baseball. I mean, we all played. We all played competitive ball. I, you know, the older brothers. You know, for myself and Ronnie, we we played competitive ball into our third. I think it was third or fourth year of NHL hockey. And we were playing 70, 80 games a summer uh, until we got told that we couldn't play competitive ball anymore because it was 
you could hurt yourself, you know, running the bases or flagging down a ball or fall, uh, fly ball or something. I guess in the fine print in the NHL contracts said you couldn't do that anymore because it was it was counterproductive what you're trying to do to stay in shape. And we thought it was actually very productive, quite frankly. Uh, you know, when you're playing that much ball in the summertime and, you know, if you played four or five games a week on average – you might drink a case of beer with it also, right? So I mean that's where I mean that's where they thought that it wasn't uh it was counterproductive what you were trying to achieve, but we thought it was awesome. And I don't know why how it got to hockey, just that uh you know, honestly, if I had to do it all over again, I would have I would have been a ball I would have wanted to been a ball player. I mean, yeah, it would have been a pain in the ass and the chances of getting out of the minors after a handful of years are were really hard, but you know, you see the life these guys, you know. I mean, I, I could watch ball games all day long on TV. I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. I shouldn't say that, but it's true. <laughs> you know, and then with hockey, it was just something we did. I, all the sports we did was basically the state of trouble. Um, it gave us something to do. We were athletic. We all got to be able to do different things, and uh, it was awesome. So you were playing 70, 80 ball games a summer. Like, were you guys going, like, tournament to tournament? Was that a competitive league, or what was the deal it was there? A league, it was a league and tournament. Yeah, we play league and tournament ball. A lot yeah. of cash on the weekends to pay for that beer. And a lot of Matus also. <laughs> so Spark, sparkly nice cold Matus on a Sunday afternoon with a steak was pretty damn good. <laughs> so you're playing you're playing hardball, baseball, right? Saskatchewan guys. We talked to Kosher, we talked to Melrose, we talked to Chase. They're big fastball guys, Kaminsky. So have you, did you ever play a little bit of fastball too, or the straight baseball? Well, we started baseball and we all turned to fastball. What's harder? What's what's and harder? Uh, I thought baseball was. I, I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, every we turned to fastball because that's what every, that seemed to be what where all the tournaments were at. Cash, baby. And it was a lot of cash tournaments, right? So, uh, yeah, um, it was great. Uh, we live in a great area. We had some in the Irma in the Irma Wainwright areas. Um, I mean, they were unbelievable amount of real good athletes from the Irma area. Um, the Kais, the Susies, like Carson's uh, dad, who played place from Minnesota. Carson's dad was a heck of a ball player. The Mackays, uh, there's a family of boys, the three or four boys in there, like the Fentons. We had, we, it was great ball in the area. And those guys were the town's, there were so many good ball players in a radius of just our area of 50, 60 miles. It was incredible. We could field four or five competitive teams because everybody played. So I don't know if you know this or not, but if you Google who was the best Sutter brother, it's like Wikipedia comes up and it says Rich. I don't know if you had to pay him off to get uh, that result to come off or not, but uh, I know a lot of your, your brothers talk about your brother Gary who didn't play didn't play hockey professionally. And I know some of you have said he might've been the best one. Is that something uh, you believe that he could have been just as good or maybe better than the rest? Well, he could have for sure. Um, the biggest thing with him was, you know, Gary had a girl problem at 17 and uh, that became more important for him at the time. And that's not to say that was wrong. He, you know, hockey wasn't a big thing guys back then. Like, you know, it wasn't like what a lot of parents are nowadays. Like, think they're going to live their their life through their yeah. child's checkbook and uh the truth is that such a slim margin these kids make the, make the nhl or make pros and make good money so with us it was just something we did um we knew we were good at it uh we knew we had to play a certain way and that was 
the right way, old-fashioned way. It was the same way with ball. It didn't matter if it was summertime or not or terms or not. We played to win. We played for keeps, man. And it was fun, especially with ball, because we all got to play together. Um, there was, you know, seven of us boys and for most part, six. And then just a good group of friends that were all real good athletes. And we would bring up Americans uh, for the summertime. And the local gas company would bring these guys in and pay them cash to work jobs in the summer to cut grass and just at least pretend they were busy. But you know, when you're playing that many games in the summertime, you need arms. You need pitchers. And these guys were just not good pitchers. They were good athletes. So, I mean, they were, they were playing all the time with us. So we'd have 14, 15 guys on a team. It was awesome. We go back to hockey. You must have played. So the same guys you played ball with, were you playing hockey with growing up too then? Uh, no, just only uh, a couple of guys. Um, it was basically kind of, we all had a friend or two within the six of us. And we ended up having 14, 15 guys on the team. And uh, to this day, some of those guys are still our best friends. When you go back to your minor hockey, um, you know, at what age do you, do you start thinking and you're a twin that you, you know that you got something here or is it, is it just hard work until all of a sudden you're signing a contract uh honestly I never thought that way you know we were just thrilled to be playing doing something we loved doing uh when the older boys left home you know we all left home at 14 or 15 us younger guys just kind of followed and we we didn't give a rat's ass what they were doing we knew they were playing but we wanted to we wanted to compete like them and play at the levels they played at. And when Brian was fortunate enough to play in the NHL, it wasn't something to say, well, hell, if he can do it, we can do it. We just, it was just something we expected ourselves with fair opportunity that we expected to make it. Uh, and we knew there was only one way we we're going to make it. And that was through hard work. And I'm sure you've been asked a lot of these questions in the past. And I apologize. It's the first time on our, on our show, but your family, are you guys, you guys have a, a target on your back a bit at some point as a family? Oh, yeah. It still goes on. And that's fine. You, you know, you just let that stuff roll off your back. That's how people are. You know, there's always going to be someone like that in life and in the world. You know, and that's just the way it is, to be honest with you guys. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is we don't want those targets on our kids. Uh, we don't think that's right or fair. But it happens. I mean, I've seen it happen point blank with my own son and um, – it's just, it's how the world works. You know, it's how people think these days. And at the end of the day for us, uh, one thing we've always taught the kids is, you know, if you're going to be compete, competitive and play and do certain things, whatever it is, just play to your ability, play to who you are, uh, be who you are, don't be something you're not, and respect. Uh, respect your opponent, respect your teammates. Treat people how you want to be treated. And if you can't do that, then you don't deserve to get what you want. So for a lot of our listeners, it'll be a little bit, you know, before their area when you were playing junior in Lethbridge, but tell our listeners a little bit about who Chappie Chapman was and how he got you Sutter brothers into Lethbridge. Well, John Chapman was born and raised in Stetler, Alberta, uh, played Nestevan Bruins in the Saskatchewan Junior League and went on to play minor pro and then came back to Alberta to coach. Uh, coached Lethbridge Sugar Kings in the old Alberta Junior Hockey League when they had some great teams, John Davidson, Lanny McDonald, to name a couple guys that he coached. And then he went into Red Deer and uh, uh, Blair Moore passed Red Devils and were junior league. Then we all had him. Like it was just actually Brian and Dwayne, Brent, 
Ronnie and myself all had Chappie and Red Deer at the Rustlers. When we first left home, when I did a 15, uh, was my first year in Red Deer, was when we won Junior A that year. And uh, Chappie was our coach. Chappie gave us a gift that basically what we was instilled in us growing up, and that was to do it right and don't, or don't do it at all. Structure, discipline, um, play hard, play for keeps, do whatever, do whatever you had to do to win. And in those days, some of it wasn't very nice <coughs> compared to how these guys are nowadays. So, yeah, so Chappie in a nutshell has been a, has been a, a real good uh, mentor and coach to a lot of us. And to this day, still a dear friend. So you go into Lethbridge, you have a, I mean, you have an outstanding first year and outstanding second year, and you get drafted in 1982, 10th overall to the Penguins. Did you expect to go that high? Were you, you know, did you think anything of it at that point in time? You know, Shane, everything was happening so fast those last couple of years because we had good teams and we knew we, we had a chance to win each year. Never even thought anything of it. It just, you know, it was, just, it, it was what it was. It wasn't nearly as blown up nowadays as it, or back then as it is nowadays. I, the only thing that I remember vividly about the draft and how great it was was uh, it was the first year where the amateur draft was held in a public forum, uh, okay. where it was where it was done, uh, where all teams came together, and it was done in the old Montreal forum. And did you go so, to the draft? Yes, and uh, that was the first year they did that, 1982. And that was an unbelievable draft class that year. Great group of guys, all real good players, and guys all went on to have great careers. So I think we were also a byproduct, not just who we were and how we were, how we played, but also from good coaching and, you know, some good junior teams that we played on that helped, you know, when you can play deep in the playoffs uh, and when your stock goes up. Mom just probably fired. Hey, everybody, everybody in the grain truck, we're heading to Montreal. Everybody's getting drafted in the first round. Let's roll. No, nope. you guys uh, went back then. Actually, you know, it was just Ronnie and I went, and yeah, it was great. It was you know just to see the old farm and, and be in it, and then, and then go back, uh, you know, just over six months later and play my 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 uh, second National Hockey League game on back to back nights in the farm against the Canes. It was really special. Did they have the hot dogs going back then, or not really? They had this Shane show. <laughs> we I got kicked out. We were there one night when I was in Vancouver later in my career. And um, back then, Montreal had a pretty, still had a pretty good team, and we were awful in Vancouver. And I uh, remember Harold Snaps and I were suspended. And uh, when you went up to the old – the only time I've ever been in the old press box in the forum was that night. It was a Sunday night. Why we were playing in Montreal on Sunday night, which Montreal Harvard ever played Sunday night games? You went up one, you went up your side of the press box, like from your dressing room side, and you had to walk through the press box, the side of the rink, up top, across the end of the rink, and across the other side to get to where we were sitting for the game. Well, that night, Harold and I thought, well, we'd stop and have some good fried Shane shows. Grilled onions. We thought we'd grab a plate of them, take them across the way, you know, from the from the dinner room upstairs in the press box. And by the time we got to our seat, I think it was already five nothing Montreal. That was like that was like eight minutes into the game. I think we got beat that night thirteen two. Yeah. So that you know, there's some things you remember vividly that went on in the Montreal Forum. 
that was a good one because I think that night I, I think I had five hot dogs that night or Shane shows and I think Harold had 13. <laughs> Snapsy crushing yeah. the dogs. One, for every, one for every goal they scored. <laughs> and the only thing he said to me after was, uh, son of a bitch, you know, like, guy can't even have a beer here tonight. And I said, well, I'm sure we can find a water hole somewhere after, you know, which we did. I wanted to ask you this uh, since we knew you were coming on uh, before. Pelly Lindbergh, talk about uh, talk about that guy, and then uh, you know what what tr- everything that transpired and uh, what you went through there. Well, you know, Pelly was a real good teammate, and Pelly was a real good friend. And the funny thing about it, where we lived out in, uh, you know, we we played for the Flyers, but we trained over, you know, being the tri-state area with the state of Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Basically, it was bridges that separated the states. And the spectrum was right on the edge of the Delaware River, right in the edge of Pennsylvania. So, you know, 18, 20 miles away was where most of us lived in New Jersey and where we trained with a practice center in Voorhees. We lived uh, in, a, in, a, in an area called Marlton Lakes. And it was these all these beautiful man-made lakes. And I had a condo with a deck that backed right onto the lake and a, directly across what 150 yards was was uh, Pelly's and his fiance uh, uh, from from Sweden. So we became close friends because it was his Pelly's uh, fiance's first year in uh, America, and it was my wife's first year away from home. And so you know we did a lot together and, and stuck together and did things together. And you know when Pelly we we were telling Pelly for weeks before the accident that you know he had to do something with that car. Because it was it was it was not street legal uh, back then. I mean, it was just it was outrageously fast. Uh, he drove it fast. Shastine, his, his fiance, would not ride in it with him. And and when 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 the accident happened that day or that morning, we'd played uh, a Saturday afternoon Remembrance Day at home against Boston. And um, back then. Players did everything together. Wives, girlfriends, and we we did dinners together. We went to bars. Everyone did everything together. And uh, when that happened, we played that afternoon, and we'd all gone home right after the game, and we were all meeting at a restaurant over in Marlton or Cherry Hill, New Jersey, uh, for supper about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock that night. We were all met, and then around 11 or 12, at our practice there in Voorhees, there was a nightclub. It was a crazy setup, like a rink, fitness center, nightclub. I mean, crazy how that makes sense, but it did. And and uh, this nightclub stayed open till seven every morning. And that night we had we had a Sunday off. Pelly was in his car. Justine was with us, and Pelly wanted to go to the bar with some of the other guys. And we had it was our first. We had a day off and. I told him, I said, he went, oh, Richie, just come and ride with me. I said, no, not going. Going home tonight. Going home, you know, my wife had just moved down about a month earlier from, from, from Alberta. So we're going home. Um, I'll see you tomorrow. See you across the lake tomorrow. And then uh, he proceeded to go there that night with Rick Tockett, Murray Craven, three or four other guys. And then we went home, took Shastine, dropped her off at home. And then about uh, – 7.30 that morning, we got a phone call, and 
then you get a phone call at 7.30 on Sunday morning from your team captain and just says, uh, JFK Hospital, get there immediately. He knew it wasn't good. We all knew it was Pelly. And basically, he was on life support until uh, his mom and dad, till they could fly his mom and dad over because Shastine, because she wasn't married to him, she had no rights to determine what was going to happen with him. How good was he? He was awesome. I mean, he was, he was like, he was like the junior Bernie Perrant. Uh, and it's really weird because he grew up a Bernie Perrant fan and he wore Bernie Perrant stuff equipment. Yeah. And everything about him was, he was Bernie Jr. At that time, you know, in Bernie's era, Bernie was, Bernie was, you know, he had to be in the conversation with the likes of the older Jock Plants and the Glenn Halls, the Terry Sawchucks, you know, just different era. But Pelly was already destined to be that. His uh, ability, his talent had already shown that, you know, here's a guy that this guy's going to be an immediate impact goalie uh, right away, and he certainly was. You you end up in Pittsburgh the first couple of years there. You only play nine games for him, and you get traded over to Philadelphia. What went on there? Why did they move you? Like it's just it's kind of weird that you they draft you so high just to move you a year later. Well, you got to remember, guys, back then technology and trying to compute, uh, communicate, and work with other teams, trying to make things happen was very hard. Much slower. What we can accomplish in five minutes took two weeks back then. And when we were drafted, Ronnie went fourth. I went tenth, and immediately Philly called Pittsburgh and said, "Okay, what are we going to do to make a deal?" And, Phil, and Pittsburgh said, well, what are we going to do? Like, what are you guys going to do? Because if we're trading, we're trading for Ronnie. And Philly <laughs> said, no, no, no. If we're trading, we're trading for Richie. And uh, so really, you know, we were still junior age players. And I still had two more years of junior. When you look at and you see those games, Shane, it was basically back then you could come up and down at a junior. And, uh, and that's why you saw games like that for two years. You know, basically, I was still a junior player. And... Back then, one of the rules was that you could go up and down. There was no eight or nine or ten game limit. What the debt? There was a deadline. The deadline was was uh, a deadline date that Canadian Hockey League and the NHL had had agreed upon for years. That after that date uh, passed, that junior player either had to stay in camp, stay at the junior team, or stay at the NHL team. And the only way he could come back to the NHL team again was after the junior team season was over. So that's kind of how those games bounced around. We bounced around like that. And then in, uh, once I turned pro uh, as a 19-year-old, I was traded to Philly like first week or two of the season. So what do you remember about – you mentioned you were in junior still, but you got called up in 82-83. You played four games. What do you remember about the call up and getting your first uh, dip in your toes in the NHL that year? I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> It was really funny because the first night was first game was was a New Year's Eve afternoon game in Pittsburgh. Believe it or not, the spring before in May, we were at the Vancouver Coliseum in Vancouver. And if you guys know history, the Islanders beat Vancouver in the final. Brent and Dwayne were playing for the Islanders. So Ronnie and I flew out with mom and dad. And obviously, you know, we had some fun when they won the cup. We were in the dressing room with the group and everything and then my first game new year's eve seven months later 
line up in the old igloo in Pittsburgh on the blue line, I'm looking across during the national anthem as an 18 year old. And there's Mike Bossy, Clark Gillies, Ryan Trache, Dennis Botman, Stefan Pearson. So, and I'm thinking, well, I'm playing against these guys. Like what the F's going on here? I just, I just was celebrating with them seven months ago, you know? So that's, I remember what my first home game with Pittsburgh and we were terrible. I mean, we had so many guys that they were there for all the wrong reasons. Then we went into Montreal the next day and played Montreal. You know, that was a real thrill because first game in the forum, you know, playing the famous Habs was drafted in that building just months before. And then again, Stan LeBlanc for the national anthem, listen to the American and the Canadian national anthems. And you're looking down across the other blue line and he got Larry Robinson, Guy Point, Steve Shutt, Jock Lemaire, Guy Lafleur. You, you talked to Kate. So you talk about these first few years in the NHL. I mean, I remember this as it was yesterday. This is so cool. What, what, do you remember your first like real lesson in the show where one of these, one of these grizzled vets just maybe gave you one or just yeah, something no, that yeah. fucking, yeah. Well, the Islanders had enough the night before. They didn't want to remember them. Uh, but that night against Montreal, our coach in Pittsburgh was a great man. If you guys remember, he was an old old goalie. His name was Eddie Johnson. He played for Boston. He, I think he started with the, with the Canadians, Boston, and then he ended up in St. Louis. And he played with my brother Brian at the end of his career when my brother Brian started playing. But Eddie was – he was like a dad. And he was a real special man, and he still is a special man. But anyways, that night, uh, well, we went down to the rink that morning, and this is a cool story. John Beliveau would come down and always watch the morning skates. And it was a Sunday. John Beliveau would come down, and he thought he was headed for church. That's how John Beliveau dressed. He'd come to the rink in a suit and tie all the time. So he comes down on a Sunday morning, and – Eddie had me come out of the dressing room and, and introduced me to Mr. Bellamo. Pretty cool. And then that night, uh, so I had a conversation, which was really something I'll never, ever forget. And you regret because you don't have phones in to take a picture, you know, and stuff like that. Like, you take so much for granted, right? That night, I grew up playing right wing and center. And if I was, you know, eventually over the course of my career, my career was probably, it helped me learn to play more than one position. So every young player, it's important to play more than young, but one good, one position, be good at it. It keeps you in the NHL, makes you more versatile, more valuable player to your group. So it was that night, it was probably rather obvious to Mr. Johnson that maybe we had a few guys that didn't want to play the Montreal Canadiens that night. We called him Popsy, Eddie, and Popsy come in and he whispered to me before the game. He said, you ever played left wing before? Satsi said, no. He goes, okay. Okay. Never saying else. Left the room. He come back in five minutes before the game. And he goes, you're playing left wing tonight. I went, holy fuck. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so first shift, guess like I told you I was on the ice against. First shift. So I'm standing there watching these guys in the blind during the national anthem. I'm going like, holy shit, this is unreal. You know? Look who I'm playing against tonight. But I realized that I, I, I was playing. I didn't. I wasn't one of the people that bought a ticket. <laughs> and the first shift of the game, 
I'm playing left wing. Well, who plays right wing? Gee. So first shift, he scored like 23 seconds in the game. <laughs> and I guess, and I guess, I guess, truth be told, I don't know if there's film on it. There probably isn't, but I just basically stood center ice and watched them. You know, I get kind of just, I don't know if he took the stick off the ice. I just watched him do a loop and a lap and blow right by me, go down the right-hand side and score right off the hop. And I went, holy shit, that was Guy Lafleur. You know, <laughs> son of a bitch, I forgot that was my guy, you know. <laughs> and uh, I went to the bench and 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 I realized, like, I, I, I messed up here. Like, that was, that was my guy. Like, you know, you're still old enough or young enough to know better that there's some responsibility here. Oh, I knew that was my guy. And I go, shit. So I go to the bench. I'm waiting to get screamed at. Not a word got said to me for the first two or three minutes. He comes down, he whispers in my ear, and he goes, uh, are you playing or are you watching tonight? And I looked at him, he goes, Satsi. He goes, I need you playing. He goes, you're playing every fucking shift the rest of the night against him. So get your feet moving. That was the message right there. Get your feet moving. I told Guy this story about five years ago. We were at a charity function in uh, Nova Scotia, guys, which is supposedly the the birthplace of hockey in Canada. And Guy and I, if you look it up, it's true. So Guy and I were there doing a charity function for the alumni, and we were it was three and three pond hockey, and we were speaking at a fundraiser that night, and Guy and I were up in front of fifteen hundred people speaking and someone asked me if there was anything you know where there's a question answer thing at the end someone asked me if there was anything that you remember in your career playing against ski that really stuck out for you and i just laughed my ass off because i'm going oh my god i'm gonna tell i'm gonna tell these people the story and he's sitting right here so i told him the story i told the people the story and he's just staring at me i think his mouth was down by, by his knees you know, either that or in the red solo cup he had in his hand. But uh, he says to me after, because we stayed in the same place together for three nights, he said to me after, he goes, Sats, he goes, you never fucking told me that. I said, well, I didn't know. He said, I was too embarrassed to. He goes, that is unbelievable. It's one of the best stories I've ever heard. <laughs> so on the heels of that, you must have, <clears throat> when you get to be a grizzled vet, do you got any good stories about somebody you, you know, kind of tuned in and, and had to get, teach them a lesson? Oh yeah. There was a few Shane. Um, it's just kind of scary though, because you can't, I w don't really want to talk about them yeah. because nowadays you'd be in jail, right? You know, uh, the game was just so different back then. How you, if you got mad at someone or if, if you called a spade a spade to someone, or if there was payback, you know, everyone knew the payback was coming. Right. And you had yeah. to be a man about it. And you had to stand up and, and take it or be a man about it and give it back. You know, back then there wasn't uh, simply interconference play or interdivisional play it was you played the whole league. And if something happened with, with one, with a team, when an individual on one team, the word, it never, the message never had to be sent before the game. You just knew the next time you played them. And it was probably two, three, four months later. Everyone on both teams knew back then and the referees knew i mean we policed our game ourselves we just knew like hey you know what get it over with right away we're gonna go go right away and that's kind of that was kind of how the lay of the land was and it happened all the time 
Why do you think that that's changed so much? You think it's a society change or do you think it's a, you know, a, a change within the players? I think it's both. I think, but mostly players, it's really difficult to get players to play the way you want them to play. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's very much money driven. It's very much socially driven in terms of, you know, the rules that are laid down in front of these kids from minor hockey and, and, you know, how you have to play the game a certain way. And with today's technology and social media that how everyone knows each other now, yeah. you know, everything about the opponent, uh, way too much buddy, buddy on the ice, you know, when the game, oh. when the game, way too much. And that's why you see what you see, Shane. That's why you only see the level of the game change in the playoffs uh, for the better part. Yeah, so it's very frustrating to see it. I get emotionally engaged in a lot of games, and it's just not my team. It's even when I watch other teams play because you, you see how some guys respond to certain things and how some guys certainly don't. You shake your head. Yeah. And, and, and how they get away about it, get away with it because it's okay. You don't have to be accountable. And to me, it's, that's backwards. It's wrong. I don't like it. And that's why I like, you know, I like, yeah, you got to have talent and you got to have skill and you got to have speed and you got to have all things to win games, but you also got to have high character guys and guys that play at the right time. So you mentioned, uh, obviously you played with your brother Ronnie there and, and uh, in Philly, but any stories, I guess, so cool to play against so many of your brothers for all those years in the national hockey league, any story of something that happened or something with one of your brothers that, that sticks out in those years playing against each other? Oh Yeah. There was lots playing in Philly, you know, with the Island against the Islanders. That was, that's when the Islanders are still winning cups. So the rival was bitter. Didn't matter who was on the other team. It was bitter. We had a brawl one night against the Islanders and the four of us were on the ice against each other. And it all started over. We don't know what even started over. We started arguing about something back then. You didn't have to go to the players boxes on whistles and stuff. You can stand around. We all started arguing about something and we all started fighting. And one of our good friends to this day was that was a was a linesman he said he started screaming at us because he couldn't stop us and he just said your mom and dad are at home on that big satellite tv watching you guys play they'll be embarrassed the way you four are acting what's the proudest you've ever been of one of your brothers they've won so much they've done so much you know, like one moment maybe where, where, you know, one that stands out. There was lots. I would say, you know, for me, um, some of my older brothers were, were really good players, like talented players also. It was really hard to see. Uh, for me personally, it was really hard to see. You know, back then, you know, guys played through a lot. Guys played hurt. And obviously back then, today's the way – players are trained and treated in terms of injuries and, and getting taken care of with injuries was so different now than it is now. So, you know, if you had a certain type of knee injury, shoulder injury back then, I mean, getting that fixed, taken care of, chances are if you get it, one doctor doesn't do it right, then it basically could cost you your career. And I saw that happen with a couple of my brothers where it definitely cut short their careers uh, in terms of uh, real bad knee injuries. The thing that bothered, there was one thing that bothered me a lot was with my brother Daryl, where uh, he was a guy that was a very talented player, could score, very smart player, could really shoot the puck, uh, could really make plays. But, you know, his career was cut short easily three or four years because got to a point where he couldn't skate. 
I mean, his knee was so bad that uh, when we played Chicago, you know, he didn't know whether or not he was, he was going to be in the lineup. And then when he was, you could just, you could tell, you know, how hard it was for him to play because, you know, he was playing through that much. I, I think of things like that, you know, the hardships of seeing players hurt and trying to play through injury compared to, compared to ones with success makes a big difference. You know what I mean? You just, uh, it's just, it's just, you don't see players playing like that nowadays. There's guys now that there's something wrong. They don't play for a week. It's just, uh, it's, it's a different mental awareness, mental toughness that uh, there's very few and far between those type of guys now compared to them. Is it true? So your brother Dwayne won cups in his first 40 years in the NHL with the Islanders. I saw an interview with you and him. He said he doesn't pull those rings out at all. Like doesn't want to kind of, I guess, rub it into the other brothers or whatever. That's true. He's not, doesn't wear those rings at all. That's true. I don't know what, honestly, I don't know what they even do with them. Yeah, no, that's true. And I don't, it goes the same for Brent and it goes pretty much the same for Daryl. So, um, yeah, I know I haven't, that's a good question. I don't know what they've done with, I know what Brent's done with his, but I don't know what the other guys have done with theirs. I'm, I'm sure they're home. They've got what they've done with them. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where exactly where you're living right now, but we know that uh, senior hockey's huge on our podcast and, and the guys love senior hockey. We just did a story on uh, Bentley and Lacombe and that franchise, you know, your son played a little bit of senior when you, uh, when you think about senior hockey, senior men's hockey, what do you remember and what do you think about it? Well, it was really good hockey and it was competitive hockey. Uh, I remember watching it growing up when I was a little boy and we, we had some real good teams in Viking called the gas Kings. And there was a lot of good hockey players in the area. The Wainwright area, the Daysland area, the Viking area. Um, there was a lot of good players, good leagues. The old Battle River Hockey League. Uh, and, you know, the Saskatchewan men, the men's senior hockey seemed to carry on a lot longer and with more success. You know, you say you take away Bentley, you say you take away Innisfil, you take away uh, Stony, old, Stony. Stony Plain Eagles. Um, but, yeah, like even Saskatchewan um, – to this day, I'm sure that if it wasn't for COVID, there'd still be some good senior men's leagues going on right now. I want to talk about what you're doing uh, these days. I know you're uh, you're connected with the Blue Jackets, and they just hired a former teammate of mine, Brad Larson. I just want to talk about what direction uh, what direction you guys headed headed with him. Well, I spoke to Brad today. With Brad, it's a no nonsense approach. There's no gray area in how he's going to coach. It's um, it's going to be pretty uh, clear. The message will be clear to the players. There's going to be personnel changes for sure that are going to go on there in the next four or five weeks. He's in the middle trying to get his coaches in place. He's looking for two good assistants. Uh, Brad will have it figured out. Um, Brad is a very well-prepared guy. He's very astute with his things. He's very uh, clear in terms of how he wants things done. He'll have a great structure, a great system. I, I really think that some of our kids are really going to take off in, inside of it. There's going to be some growing pains, obviously, but I, I have a lot of confidence in him, and I, and I really believe that, yeah, there were, there were good candidates out there and uh, probably guys, bigger names, that have had success already. But the situation we're in with our group, I think Yarmo did the right thing, and Brad, Brad knows the team he's got. Obviously, there's going to be some changes because we have to make changes to get better, but he'll do a good job, and uh, I think people need to uh, – Leave him alone. Let him do it. Because, look, he's had success. You know, he won a Calder Cup, coached in the American Hockey League, which is not an easy league to win in. 
he knows how to play the game. He knows how to coach the game. He's going to be good. So, Rich, how we kind of end these things is just a, like a rapid fire. We just ask you a question. You give us a short answer or a long answer. It doesn't matter. But uh, I'll, I'm going to get it started. Your favorite road barn? Uh, well, I'd have two. Boston, Chicago. Because there's no place to hide. When I say the name, you got to tell me what you think about him. Dave Brown. Great teammate. Great Saskatchewan boy. One of the toughest players I've ever played with and against in hockey period. And to this day, still a great guy. First NHL goal. What's the quick rundown on how you got your first one? I went in to end. The hell do you think how it went in? Bobby Orsal. <laughs> I, I swear to God, that's what happened. <laughs> when I realized I got too damn deep in the offensive zone, I had no one to give the puck to. I just kept going around behind the net and walked right out in front of the net and beat Mike Palmatier and everyone left me alone. I thought shit was, was gonna be this easy. Why did I wait till my tenth game to score? <laughs> <laughs> toughest guy you ever played against. Toughest guy I ever played against. Toughness or just hardest to play against. You pick. I would say hardest. Um, and he wasn't tough, but he was just so hard to beat one on one. He was so damn good. Uh, I'm gonna give you two, okay? Uh, Larry Robinson and Nicholas Lidstrom. Yeah. Wow. Beauties. Wouldn't have picked that. Kate, okay, this might be a little bit longer than a rapid fire, but guiltiest do you ever remember playing? Tell us a story. Tell us a story. The, the, the one that you, you remember. You remember. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, we were in Vancouver and uh, we were a terrible team. And um, you got to remember back then in Vancouver, our road trips were long. You know, it wasn't fun when you were losing. For some guys, they didn't care. But for me, it wasn't fun. It drove me nuts. Uh, I had a terrific uh, teammate and roommate in Petri Strico. And uh, had a lot, still had a, real, a lot of good teammates that one year. But we were in Pittsburgh. And uh, uh, I think we were in the middle of about an eight-game road trip. And we lost the first five. We were in Pittsburgh and we had dinner together one night, a bunch of us, and, and we were at a, it was called an athletic club restaurant, whatever. And uh, to be honest with you, none of us knew if there was curfew that night. And it was, curfew back then was 11. Well, 11 o'clock rolled around and we weren't in the hotel yet. Where we were at by midnight, um, I think pretty much everybody on the team, even the trainers were there together. So we all went back to the hotel together that night. It was well after midnight, but at least we were together, but it was fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, talk about going into play, knowing, knowing very well who, what my assignment was the next night. Hey guys, when I, I'd be playing against the best players every night. That was my job. So if you're playing Edmonton, it was pick your poison, right? Gretzky or Messi. So in, in Pittsburgh that night, it was Lemieux, Stevens, Mold Lyman, Rick Tockett. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a bit of a challenge that night. But I will tell you, it was, it was, a, it was a wonderful night because we ended, up, we ended up winning 6-4. Mario's line had four goals, and our line had four goals. We played against each other all night long. Wow. Yeah, so... So the truth of the story is that, you know, don't be going out if you think, if you think that that's the recipe for winning the next night. 
So you're doing, you're doing a lot of analyst uh, work now and stuff. Here, here's a tough question I've been asking guys the last couple of weeks here. Name the four centermen on Canada's Olympic team next year. I think you're going to, honestly, I think you're going to see about eight or nine centermen. Not possible. You want to know the truth. Oh, really? Uh, I, I just think that centermen are so useful in, the, in today's game. The real good players can play different positions. The strength is going to be your goal chain, obviously your two – two top right D, two top left D, but the strength is going to be in numbers down the middle. Okay, here. And I'll, I'll give you I'll give you four guys. Okay. Uh, and honestly, I don't know how many will even outside of 97, I don't know if the other ones will even play center. You, you have to believe that that it's going to be uh, uh, Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. It's You got to believe it's going to be Sydney for sure. Um, and he will be the captain, and you know, and you can list four, you can list four or five other guys easily right after that. So, okay, does Bergeron Marchand make it? Uh, together, I don't know how they do. How does Bar- does Barcel does Barzell make it? Probably not. Does Point oh, wow. make it? Does Point make it? I hope so. Safe answer. I hope so. I really do. I think that he he's the one guy that. Uh, Wow, what a player, eh, guys? He's turned into quite yeah. a player. Stamkos, did they take Stamkos just because? You know, like, still still got it, but he had a tough go last time? Well, let's see if he's hurt for another six months. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing for him is uh, where's his health going to be at? <laughs> yeah. No, you were, I couldn't get a hold of you. You were hiking, chasing grizzly bears in the mountains, you told me. No, I wasn't chasing grizzly bears. Fighting grizzly bears. No, no. We, we, Ron and I, my wife, Ron and I, we do. She's a, she keeps me going to where she loves the outdoors, hiking, and uh, especially summertime. We live for the summers. I bet you she likes doing dishes around 8 30 p.m. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she does. Well, good luck. Hopefully, you guys can, uh, hopefully, you can get a Stanley Cup in uh, Columbus here one of these days. Shane, so do I. You know, it's uh, it's a challenge. You've got to have star players. You got to have guys that want to play in your organization, want to play in your city. The scary thing about it, uh, there's so much things that go on to make it work. And yeah. uh, as far as a way as the outside people might think you could be from winning and being a contending team, it's amazing how close you can really be with just you know with with some pretty shrewd deals and some pretty shrewd moves. Um, and I just don't speak for myself. I speak for a lot of other teams too. That the war, the league, the parity is so strong now, and and the margins are so slim that yeah. you know, unless you're really really bad, you're never really out of it. A lot of guys we talked to that have played in Columbus, like Dorsett, Mike Sillinger, all these guys. They said Columbus was like their favorite city they've ever played in. Like Silly played in 13 cities. He said it was his favorite city. It is a wonderful city. There's no doubt about it. It's a, it's a it reminds me a lot of St. Louis, small city, big city atmosphere. Like what we, you know, we don't have the Cardinals there, but we got Ohio state. I mean, I mean, okay. uh, you got a brand new triple A ball stadium next to the hockey rink. You got a brand new major league soccer stadium blocks from there, you know, two exits up the road, you got 120,000 seat football stadium. Now they're exit up. You got another 18,000 seat hockey arena. Yeah. It's a sports crazy town. It's a great, it's, it's, it's actually a beautiful place. Hey, how does, uh, how does Seattle do? And do they, uh, because no state tax and stuff, do they lure some guys? Are they going to be good out of the gate? 
Well, they should be. Uh, they're gonna have. They've had a lot of time to prepare. Yeah. Um, Ron Francis is a great hockey mind. He's got himself surrounded with some really good people there. There's gonna be good players on every team that's gonna be available, and it's just gonna be you know you watch. There's gonna be a lot of backdoor meal, lot lot of backdoor deals. Teams are gonna call and say, you know, please don't take that guy, but what's it gonna take? And you know, to, to lay off of that guy or this guy, and and oh, cool. that's where Ron Ron Francis has got the. He's got the gun, yeah. and and uh, he's going to make some great moves. You guys watch. It's going to be pretty interesting to see what comes out of it. Thanks, Rich. Really appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll chat again soon. You're a beauty. Thanks, Rich. Okay, guys. Take care. All the best. Hey, boys. The interview wrap-up for Malcolm Vanstone at 2020 Geomatics. They are your land survey company. Uh, chopping up land. Malcolm Vanstone and 2020 Geomatics. They might, I think they're done hiring for the summer. But if you're in a small town and you guys are subdividing land, look up the local people, please. 2020 Geomatics. Anyways, one of the Sutters. Wow. I loved it. You know what? We took him on a few few different questions. The Pelly Lindbergh thing, obviously. I've always wanted to ask that. Really cool. Did you know that, Chink, that he was like, no, not involved? Not not that. I knew that that team was really close. Um, I didn't know that he like he lived, you know, in the across the lake or whatever he talked about. Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, no, I thought the interview was awesome. It was uh, kind of off the cuff. We didn't really go through it, like follow his career like we usually do, which, I mean, he's one of the Sutter brothers. I'm sure lots of people know all about his career, so it's kind of neat getting into other stuff. I was drunk off a six-hour golf round. Still are. Off a six-hour <laughs> golf round, so I just I, was, I winged it. <laughs> Old winged As they say in the biz, I winged it. Uh, yeah, no, was, one thing that I thought was interesting, I kind of asked him is, is what, like his brothers that have cup rings, Refuse to wear them around their brothers. I was like, today, today's day and age, that would not happen. You know, if you had no. a brother in the NHL and you won, like it, his brothers are just like, yeah, it's just a respect thing. Don't want to rub it in. Don't want to have a brawl at the supper table. Like crazy, right? They're- I, I thought that he would, you know, when I asked him the question about the proudest moment for one of your brothers, like I thought there was one that stands out. Like uh, who was it that won Daryl that won it in Los Angeles? That was a huge yep. moment. Um, I thought I thought that he would have won, but uh, yeah, great interview though. All, and all in all, yeah, no, I thought he was good too. I've had a few cocktails tonight. What's going on, in Mainline? Uh, Mainline GM and Mainline Chrysler in Rosetown. Frick, as if they're not beauties. You know what was going on out there today? Yahtzee. Tornadoes. Oh. There was tornadoes in Rosetown today. What? I don't know if you guys saw that on uh, social media. Yeah, on Brock, Rosetown, Kindersley area. Oh, yeah. First tornadoes, I think, of the uh, summer in Saskatchewan. Oh. So they're the guy that bought a brand new GMC Sierra, which they have like, what's the what's the discount right now? It's huge. 10000 off he, Truck he, Nation. He went and parked it in his Quonset, just in case. And he's still not driving it into town. Yeah, because of the tornado, and he doesn't want his neighbors to see it. And then, and and then the guy across the field just bought a brand new Dodge Ram fifteen hundred. What's the discount on the fifteen hundred, Boz? I think it's twelve thousand seven hundred and fifty in total discounts on the twenty twenty ones. And he bought his wife a a Jeep. What was that? I think that's nine thousand three hundred and fifty in total discounts on the Jeeps. Yeah, he parked those in his Quonset. So those guys literally live like a half a kilometer apart. And they both they both have them parked because they're they they do not want to ride them into town. And, <laughs> and no the tra- tornado came. <laughs> and no trade ins, right? Because they got to keep the old ones. How else are they going to get around? So they got to keep the old vehicles. 
Hey, did you see Stanley and Martha have new vehicles? What? Well, I'm well they driving, must. I'm not driving my Sierra out there then. They must be rich. They must just be rich. Yeah, no, lots going on out there. And of course, Yahtzee at uh, Mainline Chrysler as well. So when it's time to uh, upgrade, check those guys out. I mentioned off the top of the show how uh, Chris Beaudry sent us that message. And the more I thought about that, he talked about how farmers in his area, they hide everything. Like, And a lot of our listeners will get a kick out of this. Their crop yields. There's two different <laughs> kinds of farmers in, in Saskatchewan or the prairies. Yeah. There's the guy... There's the low ball guy and the, the high ball guy, right? <laughs> the guy whose canola will go 30, but it always goes 40. And the guy's who goes 40, but he's always like, ah, you know, it was okay. It went 25, 30. Like, yeah. There's two different kinds of people. And you can tell by how they uh, tell people their crops went. Because some guys always have to be the best. And some guys always want to be just. Uh, middle of the road. Middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. Middle of the road guy. I love it. Mainline Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram in Rosetown. Mainline GM in Rosetown. Both the king of trucks. You go, hey, here's this. You go in there this week. Next, if anybody's listening, they buy a vehicle and they say, the Monday Nooner guys talk about you guys all the time. We'll come do a freaking show at your farm or house. Ooh, big commitment. Big we'll commitment. Show. And we'll bring this, you a hat. Okay. This is where in the editing, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in and I'm going to say disclaimer. Barry's had a few. Barry's buckled. <laughs> Maybe we'll send you a hat. If you buy a new vehicle, we're not we'll coming to your farm. <laughs> Why not? Why wouldn't the guy? We'll send you a hat and a golf fucking chip. Yeah. Shelter, <laughs> you and I can roll out and fucking do a show. Take Jamie. the truck. Take the diesel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Oh, well, here we go. Yeah. I can haul some grain. I heard Jerry in Uranium City just ordered one from Rose <laughs> Just uh, part-time work, driving the tractor, a little combining if he needs for the fall. Jerry's then up the gonna, Nooner, boys. Jerry's going to get the response when he emails. You guys ever do this? Here's a fucking funny, here's a tidbit for you. Just a straight West Side <laughs> fucking trick. When people email you or text you that you don't want, you just copy and paste like one of those undeliverable messages <laughs> and you reply back to them. But it comes <laughs> from your email? No, but you can fucking... At, from a text and stuff, and then they don't really get it. If they're smart, they they look into it. <laughs> I was gonna say because I think the under undeliverables come from like no, you can buy, you buy an app. You can buy an app. Oh, I've never thought that hard about it. <laughs> <laughs> I got people after me. That's why I do that. Yeah, no, I, I only text like five people in my life. So, <laughs> Mrs. My K, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, Mrs. K. I have a funny story about Mrs. K. She yeah. actually was looking into some landscaping the other day. I was talking to Sean Stefan the other day, and he said, because uh, he was japping about the Habs, and I said, well, God, I got to listen to this for about four more games. And then he <laughs> said, hey, I was listening to, uh, I was listening, yeah, three more games now, but as we record. But I, uh, he said that he was listening to the, the Nooner, listening to the pod, and Mrs. K called uh, just to ask some landscaping questions. And he goes, boys, I thought you were bringing me in. I thought we were going live. I thought I was coming on the show. So yeah, he was all jacked up about it. He thought that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good little story. Is this an is this an ultimate segue into uh, take a seat, son? I I honestly need landscaping help. Uh, I'm gonna have to send him a picture next week. I got these fucking railway tie things in my backyard. Hey. They're going all over. The kids are running around. They're gonna get like I'm gonna get a Spenders. lawsuit. 
a lawsuit from the kids' friends that are running around. So I'm going to have to send uh, Sean, Stefan. I'm going to send it after the Habs lose, though. So, like, I'll wait, like, 10 days. You guys realize that now would be, like, the perfect time to bring Sean in, right? We should bring him in for a little segue. Why wouldn't a guy? Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from his basement, Sean Stefan. The casting coach. What a what a thing to come home to a barrage of uh, emails and and uh, notifications to come on a Monday nooner. We we're just talking about mine and yours conversation when you're listening to the nooner and old Mrs. K dialed in and you thought maybe you were coming on live. So we're gonna insert this all in right in there. You're coming on live under the show. The show is the show is coming alive. I'm just such a big super fan that it's just consuming my entire life. <laughs> Uh, when Mrs. K messages you, what like what's your initial reaction? Like where where she does... called him? I think she picked. Yeah, up no, it wasn't a, it wasn't a message. I'm literally listening listening to the show, driving down Highway 11, and this <laughs> phone number comes on from Swift Current, and I'm like, all right, I'll answer. And and uh, I mean, she didn't call herself Mrs. K, but. <laughs> She says, uh, "Yeah, this is this is uh, this is Sean Kindop's wife," and I was just like, "What? What is happening right now? <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting a call from Mrs. K. Right? Like the shows the shows coming to life. It was like a it was like a Disney movie where the animals start talking to you a little bit." So, uh, anyways, we had a we had a quick little chat about retaining walls, and uh, actually, Sean just uh, sent me his plans tonight. So we're trying to work on uh, we're working on something for the Kinners. Obviously, did he send you a picture and some measurements? Obviously, you said let's FaceTime, let's get off this, <laughs> and let's do a. Fa- Oh, we had we had we had uh, we had a full full tour. We had in person in person meetings, but we did pictures and measurements. That's exactly what I got. First, I got the measurements, and I said, "Well, let's uh, let's get some pictures. Make sure I'm not missing anything." And from the picture, I thought we were working on their front yard, but it's completely opposite. It's their back property lines. So there we go. So I got a message sent to us from one of our other sponsors, and he told me that you are a kayak guy. Is that true? <laughs> oh, I got one guess who that is. Malcolm 2020 Geomatics. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm kayak guy for sure. It's uh it's right right after right after Caesar season uh turns into uh that's that's in between birthday seasons. It goes to kayak season. Flip-flop season is in there too. Let's not forget about flip-flop season. Hey, yeah. in all seriousness, the landscaping game in the last year, how like difficult is it to like I guess satisfy people's needs just because it's so hard out there and people want to spend their money and get stuff done? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's a good it's a good problem to have, um, but we're just having to really order proactively. So we made moves last year. To, we we added a an extra warehouse, an extra uh, yard, built out a whole distribution center. Um, but our unfortunately our suppliers didn't uh, weren't that proactive. So just getting stuff made and and there's a whole bunch of things that go into it. Snowstorms in Texas and and. Uh, freighters getting caught in the Suez canal and all that sort of thing, just a perfect storm. Um, But we're, we're still moving products. It's just like, we're, we're getting in line. And when, when it's available, we have it. Um, But some things were just out of completely. 
So we're in good shape when it, when stuff ships and then we're good for a while. So. What's the easiest way for everybody to get a hold of you guys, Sean, just to email call or just stop down to the store. Honestly, like, you know, the, I mean, we have lots of staff at the store, like we're building out our displays. We've got a whole bunch of uh, outdoor displays and indoor displays built. Um, so that's, that's always easy, but the, uh, the website is probably the most streamlined way to just, you know, like you guys are, are plugging all the time, right? It's, it's pictures and measurements. That's really what we need to start a conversation. So we're recording this on Tuesday. I feel like uh, you're wearing the Habs hat. And just to wrap this up, you think the uh, clock has struck midnight on your Habs or you're not ready to give up on them yet? Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up on them yet by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, that's a, um, that's a, that's a good Vegas team. Like it's, it's unbelievable. Um, The, I would say against the Jets and against the Leafs, the, the Habs were able to get the, get the puck out of their zone one pass and out and, and get out of trouble pretty easy. But the number of turnovers on that Habs blue line is just ridiculous. They're just on you quicker than anybody can handle. I'm smelling a, I'm smelling a Monday nooner, uh, rusty shovel, Montreal trip with clients. Shea Paris. Everything next year. <laughs> okay? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, hey, one, one last, uh, one last plug um, uh, for you. Well, not really a plug, but just uh, something of, of interest to the listeners. So uh, we're actually taking, uh, uh, I'm taking five, five of my guys and uh, uh, one of our, one of our contractor customers, we're going up meeting a supplier up in Humboldt. Uh, we're actually going up Thursday morning. They're building uh, landscape Saskatchewan has partnered with uh communities in bloom and, and some of the uh, hospital foundation in, in Humboldt. Um, and we're, uh, we're going up to build a Memorial park, um, for the, uh, for the Broncos. Um, so we're, we're heading up there on Thursday morning, spending a couple of days there. So, um, just something for people to pay attention to. It's uh, kind of cool for that, to, to be a part of, uh, that community, um, getting to heal a little bit. So. No, that's fantastic, Sean. Yeah, no, it's great. We, uh, that's why we love being associated with, uh, with guys like you and companies like you. And uh, thanks a lot for hopping on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, boys. This is Kai Swallow from Cupar. Take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. And take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. All right. Time for take a seat, son, for the rusty shovel. Anybody uh, want to kick us off this week? Anybody got anything... Uh, they want to get off their chest. I told you I had another one, so I'm going to fire this up. Hey, hey, Shane, are you willing to disclose last week's take a seat, son, that we cut out for the uh, Mozart uh, segment? Yeah, I can. Oh. I, I, it's it's no. tough. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I, I told a few people. I told a few buddies who were like big listeners. I kind of gave them what tidbits, and they're like, "That's not that bad." And I'm like, yeah, "I know." But, you never know, right? The wrong person gets it at the wrong time, and yeah, it's the world we yeah, live. Yeah, well, right? we'll keep it at that. You're gonna have to sign up at Fanboy here. Yeah, you have to sign up. Only we'll Fanboy, <laughs> only fans. Fuck, only fans can, uh, can get her going. <laughs> but hey, I, I'm gonna fire up take a seats on this week, and this one we're not gonna Mozart edit. You know who can freaking take a seats on this week? 
and this is because I go on the heels of Barney with the RCMP officer that lost his life. The city of Regina is actually like said to people, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, we're not going to lower our flags uh, half mass because uh, they're not included in our policy. RCMPs are not included in our policy. Come on. Like, this is just a show of respect of being a human being. Policy, shove your policies up your ass, city of Regina. You're a joke. You can take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. I've been really just irritated with this lately and I, I i hate going down that road but i gotta do it yes i've been watching hockey games every night in the united states with full barns fans the united states is wide open. i don't even think they remember that covid happened and i mean i know that it's a it's a real thing people have died from it our hospitals are full whatever but i just think we are such a joke not only in canada specifically but the people in saskatchewan i now live in manitoba Manitoba is such a joke. Like, you guys have no idea. You think you got it bad in Saskatchewan? I haven't been able to get a haircut in Manitoba for like two months. <laughs> we are 16 months into this pandemic, and I can't get a haircut. Get some sheep shears. I live in a city of like 50,000 people, and there are 40 cases of COVID here, and I can't get a haircut. Wow. Is that not the most ridiculous thing you have ever heard? And there's absolutely zero plan to reopen. Like at least Saskatchewan people complain and you want it open, whatever. At least you can do shit. At least your kids can play sports. At least you can go for a beer. You go one province to the east. It is a freaking joke. Manitoba, the whole province, take a seat. You guys are awful. You don't even have a plan for reopening. They released a plan. It's brutal. It doesn't give any details. So... I'm just like, I'm so over it. And, and the people that aren't going to get the COVID shot, I, I just <laughs> had this, like, I've been so pissed off for like the last week. The people that aren't getting the shot, it doesn't matter what you do. They're not getting the shot. So at what point do you just say, we're opening things up. If you don't get the shot, that's on you. But if things get bad and you all get COVID and then the hospitals are full, you're at the back of the line. We're moving on. Life goes on. Let's put this in the f- rear view mirror. It's been 16 months. I've just, I've had enough. Doesn't that, doesn't that gut your, your premier guy? Doesn't he cry a lot on the air? Doesn't he have these, 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 he's uh, had, he's had two news conferences and he balls at least two fucking cry sessions. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know what? One is okay. Cause you're passionate. Yeah. You're showing yeah. your emotion. Yeah. Two, you don't want your leader crying. Like Tom no, Brady, but- Tom Brady doesn't go into the huddle and fucking start crying. I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him a pass on that. Because, you know, maybe he knows somebody who died from it, right? If I knew somebody really closely who died from it, that would affect me probably emotionally too, right? But, but like, you gotta be, you gotta fucking buckle up. You gotta put, yeah, your you gotta be a leader. On. You gotta, your jock's gotta go on and you're freaking, you got, now you gotta lead. Yeah. Take like the Rich emotion Sutter. out of it. Take the Rich Sutter. out of it. Old school. You gotta be so, old school. Like Scott Moe, people in Saskatchewan are bitch about Saskatchewan has done an excellent job. They have a plan. The case numbers are way down. You can get a haircut. You can go for a pint. Your kids can go swing a baseball bat. Like Saskatchewan, if you're going to bitch in Saskatchewan, you've got nothing to bitch about. Just look one province to the east. It's an absolute joke. We can head over to sport clips, even get a head massage too. Hey, a little hot towel. Yeah. Longest take a seat sun ever. Was, I love it. That was, that was good. I like it. <laughs> that was I good. Just, it's been bogging me a lot. Yeah. Well, that's good. We can tell. Um, I was gonna I was gonna bring up boulevards, but oh. they've been really tight. Boulevards <laughs> are really tight. No weeds. Been, so yeah, I heard, Mac- a good I job. heard McCarthy was kind of bad. No, 
I, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't driven down McCarthy. I'm more of a Rochdale guy, but uh, here we go. Fuck you, people that park in front of Superstore. <laughs> that's that's not the term. The term is take a seat. No. Yeah. I'm starting a new one. It's called I'm buckled, and I'm saying <laughs> fuck you, and I'm throwing eggs at your vehicle. Sean Steffen does not sponsor this segment. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is Barry's segment. Who's parking in front of Superstore? That's not a fucking parking spot. Move your vehicle. Okay. What if what if a guy, what if what if like Barry drops Mrs. S off to run in and grab some apples no. and he's still in the car sitting there Circle. just kind of waiting? Circle. No. Circle. You've, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to tell you to take a seat because you've actually done this as a take a seat before. I know, and I'm going to keep doing it until the fucking world changes. And you know what? I was going to tell you, you know why the boulevards are so nice on Rochdale? Because I have so much freaking par three that I just load up. I drive down there and just, and I just blast the boulevard on my way by. Well, Mrs. B is shopping at Superstore, and then you go and pick her up because you don't see double front. Double freaking whammy. Anyone that parks in front of Superstore, you take a seat and you should be punched in the face. Take a seat, son. You know, I was looking on social media, guys. Last Mountain Distillery has got a lot of good uh, products out there, especially for the summer. That hibiscus, again, I know we talked about it, but uh, I was in there the other day and they were talking about that hibiscus vodka again. Man, they, they come up with some really good drinks. Follow them on, uh, follow them on Facebook for sure. Uh, if you're on Facebook, because they come up with some wild, uh, wild recipes for their, for their booze and it is they're, fan. They're really good. Their tours are going to be firing back up here because our province is so deadly. And we're reopening. So their tours are going to be opening again. And you can go and tour and have like a sample. See, oh, can we get Boz a uh, ticket? But in Manitoba, if you get your second shot, two weeks after, you can get a passport on your phone that you can leave the province. So anyways, what, what's the, the hibiscus? I haven't tried that yet. I still have to try it. There's some cool mixtures going on with that uh, last mountain. But it's all local, right? And that's... Yep. What, Hey, Boz, why don't you tell the Kelly Rudy story? So uh, when we had Kelly, Kelly Rudy on the show, he, he, we talked about how he loves Caesars. He's talked about it on Hockey Night. So we uh, said, hey, have you heard of Last Mountain Distillery? Hadn't heard of it. So talked to Braden out there. Said, Braden, we got to send Kelly a bottle of uh, dill pickle vodka. Listen to this, Shane. Kelly Rudy got the uh, order. We threw in a Monday nooner, nice Sasky flag hat. I think he dropped off to uh, include in the package. Kelly Rudy... He didn't uh, send Braden an email or a text. He picked up the phone and called him. Braden said he yeah. got a call from a, a random Calgary number. He said, hey, you know, this is Kelly Rudy. Just want to say thank you for the uh, package and really liked your vodka and had a nice chat. So I thought that that was a pretty classy move, right, to pick up the phone what? and actually do the, the call. I think after after interviewing him and talking to him, I just expect nothing less from him. Yeah, super, uh, super gentleman for sure. And then David Amber was drinking a Caesar from Hockey Night. I know Barry was messaging him saying, you got to try the, uh, talk to Kelly Rudy. We'll get you some last mountain out in Ontario. Well, let's go. I, I, I've had a run in. I've had some uh, conversations back like 20 years ago with David Amber. And he is a, such a nice guy. You know how Kelly Rudy, Kelly Rudy's a nice guy. David Amber is like an amazing guy as well. So we might have to get him on. We'll get, we'll get a little boss. You got to have like a little yeah. Caesar bar, Caesar bar, yeah. boss, Our- Caesar bar. That's got a nice ring. BCB. <laughs> that was pretty quick, too. You know you know what? Uh, up here, boys, in the Boreal Forest, it's beautiful up here. Guys, give a plug to uh, 
here's something. The Elk Ridge Resort up here in the Boreal Forest, beautiful, is going to be hosting the McKenzie Tour this oh, year wow. and next year for three years. So those are, you know, like right under the PGA Tour. They're going to be hosting an event up here. It's going to be freaking amazing. Monday Nooner is going to be all over it. So stay tuned for that. And just a plug to them. If you're buying Callaway clubs this year, buying golf clubs this year, sorry, buy Callaways or Odysseys and then send us a message of the DM us the receipt in Saskatchewan and you're entered to win two nights, four rounds of golf at Elk Ridge with Callaway and Elk Ridge this year. Fuck, isn't that cool? I'm I'm curious what those pros are going to shoot up here. Par seven uh, at Elk Ridge? What is par Yeah. Well, 27 holes. Monday qualifier is going to be at Waska Sioux. Which is Waska a Sousa 70, yeah. So that but, 86 is actually 16 over. Bogey Golf, keep the change. <laughs> so that, you're such a loser. So that, uh, but the putting, right? Like, fuck, these guys are going to come in and be like, look at the scorecard and be like, oh, nice and nice and easy peasy. And they're going to be like, wait a minute. I've always wondered about that. What pros would shoot on the courses we play? Like, whether it's Waska Sioux or Elkridge or like Royal Regina, what is Brownie have the record there? 61 or something? 62? Something like that. Yeah. Like That's what, would, bad. Like what yeah. would Brooks Kepka or Tiger Woods in his prime or Justin Thomas, like what would they shoot on these tracks? I, I, I asked, I think about that all the time. Yeah. What would Connor McDavid score if he played in 1982? He might score 300 goals. What if he played against, what if he played against Flems and Paco? No, but Rich Sutter would have shut him down. Played on against all the best players. Goalies didn't go down. Like Reggie Lemelin's trying to make a save with his fucking skate. Like he would <laughs> probably score two hundred and fifty goals. I'm not even lying. Like that is the number. Two hundred and fifty. I love those old school classic NHL games are the best. Hey, so we talked about uh you mentioned golfer and Callaway. The U.S. Open is this week. I wouldn't mind oh, right. giving a couple quick picks before we wrap up the show because I hit a 55-1 to 1 last week on a guy by the name of Garrick Higo or something. I don't know. I picked him at 55-1, to 1, Shane. And Doesn't won the even tournament. know his name. That's the saying, best. So I think I've talked about this on the show. My units are usually $20, $25. I only put five on him, so I won, uh, what was it? I can't even $250, bucks, wasn't it? Yeah, two fifty five or something. If I had to put my normal unit on, it would have been like twelve hundred bucks. But uh, hey. yeah, he was seven back going into the last round, and that's when I put my money on him. Was on Sunday morning. I was like, okay, this guy. Yeah, I was thinking about him. He's like seven back, and then this Chess and Hadley like shot seventy five on Sunday. My guy came out of nowhere, won two hundred fifty five. Keep the change, but uh, U.S. Open this week. I'm going Brooks Kepka eighteen to one. I think he's rounded into form. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to place a couple of wagers on him. The other guy I'm really uh, looking at is Justin Rose, 60 to 1. He's way out of form, but he's 60 to 1. He's a former top player in the world. And I'm going to put another five on Garrick Higo, 70 to 1. It's going to pay me 350 scoots at five bucks. So Nothing on Deshambo? No, he's a mental midget. Well, I, uh, I I firmly believe that. The only time he's won that major was with no fans. I think with the fans, he's they get in his head. In fact, they were chanting. They were calling him Brooksy. I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah. And he got people kicked out of the tournament for calling him Brooksy. Like he was getting them kicked out. Loser. Yeah. So 
I don't think he's going to handle the pressure. I think fans are going to be all over him because this whole Kepka thing is kind of blown up. I don't think Bryson has a sniff so, this week. Here the thing, Torrey Pines, I've played it a few times. South course, you have to hit it from long. the tips. Yes, you have to hit it. There's two tee boxes or at least two you don't play as a regular. You have to hit it long and straight. So you got to like, hit driver then. So, yeah. So I like, you know who grew up there? Xander Shoffley. Yeah, He's 18 from, to 1. Yeah, I took uh, Shoffley. I like Hovland. Hits it nice and straight. And the greens are really either Poana, small greens, attack, and uh, little John Rom. How about a little Johnny Rom? What about Phil? Phil Mickelson, 75 to 1. Put a few scoots on him. Hey, boys, now time for the Senior Hockey Soiree, brought to you by Freeze Tallman. More than a lumberyard in Regina and Fort Capel. You know what? Last week we talked about about that Metal Lake uh, Arena uh, burning down, unfortunate. I got a lot of messages about that. People didn't even know. They're like, what? What happened about... And then um, the funny thing was like a team like Bethune, which we heard that they were folding up shop and uh, they're, they plan on going this year. So it's going to be, we, like we said earlier, we want these teams to call in or DM us, sorry, call in. Get up there. the Monday Nooner hotline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> call the pay phone at on, uh, 8675309. But, no, we need to know these teams, right? We need to know what's going on with these leagues. And um, GW starting to gather up some uh, beer deals, right? So let us know what you're doing. You need shells next year. The Hanley Huskies. I drive through there all the time. I think about but think about the Hanley Huskies, how they've really got like five, five games in their jerseys. <laughs> Just a big thing sending them stickers. Yeah. No, that's going to be fun to get teams back on the stickers and back in the programs for the, because we're going to have a full year next year. I don't think there's any question about that, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see on the senior hockey front, which teams stick around, which teams have about five guys who did nothing but guzzle for 16 months, just hit the (laughs) 016s. Like it's going to be a full new, it's going to be a whole new landscape. Like we talk about teams, like I know the Wilkie outlaws where I'm from, they didn't play a game last year. Right. So they're going to be, from March of last year to September this year, like over 18 months without a game. Hungry, literally. Or fat. <laughs> Just depends I mean. on the guy, right? <laughs> what? So uh, here's another question for you, Boz, from a, a guy where his dad parks his side by side in the Quonset for a long time. These farmers have a lot of money, and we had this rain. It's going to be a good crop year. Hopefully. Um, Sticks it sticks and gas this year. Like some teams, or do you think? Do you? I think that some teams are going to have an abundance of cash to throw around. I don't know. I can't see it being any more extreme than before COVID. I don't know. I can because I think that hunger is there where people haven't like went to a game in two years and then they're like, okay, well, it's back. We're not letting our hometown look like a bunch of hobos. So we're throwing some money behind it. We're going to bring in the the kid with the man bun that scored 30 in the SJ. I don't know. Man bun guy. I don't know if it'll go that way or not. I really don't. But pro guys, right? Like the pro guys will be back playing pro. The CIS guys will be back playing CIS. I got to mention this because I told the boys I'd mention it. My buddies out in Lashburn who have talked about Flyers Wagon. 
they got this kid, Kyler Hope. He's straight out of, well, he, he got a contract in the East Coast last year, but he straight out of Alaska Fairbanks uh, five-year ride on the NCAA. These guys are talking to Lashburn like he's going to be the next Connor McDavid of senior hockey. Like they just think he's going to be an absolute stud right out of college. And I'm kind of like, whoa, boys, like pump the brakes a bit. There's a lot of NCAA guys that come to senior. It's kind of a different, different game. No, what's what's his last name? Hope. He's a really good player. Yeah. I know. The last Gazette says a lot of, there is a lot of hope. Is that there, the, yeah? What's hope, the headline? Hope on the horizon, Lashburn. Yeah, hope no, on the horizon. Uh, but no, it's it gets the ball rolling, right? Like we talked about it, and they're like, "Oh, he's going to be a top whatever guy, top five guy, top ten guy." It's like, it's kind of just cool to see that excitement, right? Like, Lash Vegas, take Lash a seat. <laughs> we, we're going to see how things work out for you guys. But not every guy that plays NCAA Lash ends Vegas. up being a good senior player. I think that's exactly. some guys. Some guys that play top level hockey or high level hockey don't even want to play senior hockey. Like it's just not a thing, right? Belts. You put, you put a guy, <laughs> you put a guy that played NCAA in the Crake barn or Hodgeville or Abbey or whatever. And all of a sudden he becomes uh, pretty invisible. Sometimes you sometimes want to just grab Gubba and go do some ice fishing for some perch. Anyway, it was a big debate we got into. I said, I can't wait until we actually know who's playing, how many COVID pounds they put on, and who's yeah. playing where, and then we can start dissecting. But I think it's a little too early for that. Let's go. Freeze Tallman, senior hockey soiree. We got some cool senior hockey stuff on the horizon. So keep in, uh, yeah, anything you need. Lumber is at a premium right now. So you're out there shopping and uh, trying to find out. Make sure the pirates don't steal your lumber. Call the pros at Freeze Tallman. They'll hook you up. Yeah, and uh, senior hockey segments, of course, uh, also brought to you by Richie Brothers Auctioneers. Auction season for the summer is uh, here with Richie Brothers. Earlier this week, had their first summer sales, and coming up here throughout the end of the month into July, a bunch of farm sales, more than 40 across Western Canada, site sales in Regina, Edmonton, Lethbridge, Brandon, North Battleford. No matter where you're listening to us in Western Canada, they've got a sale, and uh, they got some good equipment uh, up on the market. Hey, another mention here, boys, on the senior hockey front. Big loss in the Sask Valley Hockey League. Uh, passing of Graham Buddy Head. There, uh, he was known to a lot. So, uh, condolences to everybody. Buddy will be missed. Uh, he was a sta- one of those staples, right, in the senior hockey world. I think uh, we've been. I feel like we've been recording here for like four hours. But uh, yeah, remember to play the Monday Nooner Pick'em for GB Construction. We talked about all. We've still got a few hats left here. Throughout the, uh, it's going to call them the conference finals, but the semifinals and the Stanley Cup final will continue with the Monday Night Pick'em. And uh, Shane's got something, and then we'll get into the deep cut. I was just going to say, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't put on the COVID forty, you can uh, let <laughs> us know too. We got 40. lots of lar- we got lots of large shirts left too. Why don't we do <laughs> something there? How many do you, how like should we say? If you're a large, probably, the first I'm five looking, people that message us get one or something. Or is I'm probably dumb? looking at. I'm probably looking at 15 to 20 of them right now. Let's do the first five people that DM us that hear this. Large is only. Is that fair? Large is only. It doesn't even have to be for you, your wife. If you get them for your wife too, that's fine. That's the name of Barry's uh, new nightclub in Waska Sioux. And uh, nightclub shots two for five. Here it is, everybody. Ian Tyson, Navajo rug on the deep cut. 
Well, it's two eggs up on the whiskey toast, home fries on the side. I'll wash it down with the roadhouse coffee, it burns up your insides. You're just a canyon caller at a diner, and a waitress I did love. I sat in the back beneath an old stuffed bear and a worn out Navajo rug. No, Jack, the boss, he left at six, and it's Katie, bar the door. She'd pull down that Navajo rug and she'd spread it across the floor. Hey, I saw lightning cross the sacred mountain, saw the woven turtle doves. But I was lying next to Katie on that old Navajo rug. I, 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 Katie, shades of red and blue. I, 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 Katie, whatever became of the Navajo rug. Shades of red 